ladies and gentlemen, we're back. And, and, and unlike Sam Ellinger, we mean it. Unsportsmanlike Conduct Season 5 is back. I'm Mitch Fosberg, joined in our new studio, in my new apartment, in my little man cave here. You know him, it's Mr. Christian Burr. Christian, welcome back. Season 5 is here. How we feel on this very rainy Monday? You know, it is very rainy, and that upsets me, um, but... You know, you mentioned the Sam Ellinger thing, the we're back. Did, did you see my tweet? Of course I saw your tweet. <laughs> the difference is, though, um, we're fine. You know, we're good. We're, I mean, for, for us, 9-3 is not, not you know, yeah. worthy of saying we're back. Seriously. It's to be a, but before we get too started, Christian, how would you summer? Like, you know, what's the things happen to you this summer, like sports-wise and life-wise even? Yeah, you know, I went to Greenville. I interned for their newspaper there, the Daily News, and I had, a, I had an awesome time. I really did. It was great. Uh getting to work in kind of a professional environment, you know, um, very classy people over there. They're good at what they do, too. Uh, the people over at the Daily News are very, very good reporters and journalists, and so uh, it was great getting to learn from them, and uh, outside of that, I lived with my grandma, because she lives in Greenville, and so I got to spend a lot of good quality time with my grandma and grandpa, and I'm very appreciative for that. Shout out to Christian's grandparents, Governor yeah. Clutch. But sports race over summer, a lot of stuff happened. Um, Milwaukee Bucks won the ABA title. Mm -hmm. uh, Tampa Bay Lightning won their second straight Stanley Cup over the Montreal Canadiens, which I have so many feelings on that. And then uh, Miguel Cabrera hit a home run number 500. Yeah, and maybe the next time we record one of these, he'll have hit number 3,000. He's been on <laughs> late, but just what's been, what was your big sports takeaway from the summer? Well, my boy Duncan Robinson got paid. Uh, that's the first immediate thing that comes to mind. Um, but really it was just kind of the whole, um, I, I don't really know how to put it other than it's kind of the NBAification of the NFL with all these quarterbacks asking for trades and, and people wanting out and like there's, I, don't, I wouldn't say there's a real super team. Maybe you could say Tampa Bay and maybe Kansas City with all the offensive skill guys they have, but it's just kind of, you're starting to see it kind of gravitate towards that. Yeah. For me, the biggest summer takeaway, um. Steve Eisman continues to fleece the NHL. Yeah. You trade John Bernier and an extra third-round pick you had laying around from a deal to get Alex Nedeljkovic, who probably showed him the color last year, and I don't know why Carolina never resigned him. Apparently they thought 3.5 mil was too much for him. Detroit got him two years, three mil a year, and they go after Freddie Anderson instead for the Hurricanes. It's like, made no zero sense. Adding Nick Letty with a second-round pick they got from another trade. Again, a good addition, good defensive prank for Moritz Sider. Um, maybe he's a trade candidate at the end. Trade line, maybe get a first out of him because he's that kind of solid player. We'll see what happens. And then adding Simon Edifinson and Sebastian Kosa yeah. in the draft. Another big six for European defenseman. And a goaltender 6'6", six, six, and I feel like it's all get out. Man. I know it's going to be a couple years still. I'll talk more about the wings down the road here in this podcast. But I'm really getting excited for the future of not only the wings, but Detroit sports in general, too. Because one thing I think we're going to be going to talk about today, Gabe Cunningham, Louis yeah. Garza, Isaiah Levers, really good draft class for the Pistons, too. Oh, absolutely. I think that it's, you know, anytime, you know, me being the big Michigan fan I am, anytime one of the guys can stay put and be in Detroit is awesome. But I love Isaiah Livers. And I think he could be a pretty good pro, too. So, But obviously, that's not the headliner in the draft class. The headliner is Mr. Cunningham, uh, who has... I, I, I love the way he's bought in to the Detroit culture. 
keeping your mouth shut, going to work. I mean, Jalen Green is trying to incite violence with his words and, and this and that. And he's, you know, he's saying what he's saying, and he's trying to get in Cunningham's head, and it's just not going to happen. And I respect that. I mean, I respect Jalen Green for his, doing what he does, too. I mean, he's credit to him. He's trying to stir it up and, and show the world what he can do. But at the end of the day, I, I love Cade Cunningham. I love the the nucleus they're building. Uh, they just traded Seku, which kind of surprised me. I But then again, it's the new management now, and I don't think they really saw a place for him. So, um, you know, they he goes, but I'm sure that, that Troy Weaver's got a, a replacement of some sort up in his sleeve. and be interesting to see where he goes with it. Right on. And the last point I want to make about that, Pistons draft, I don't expect Levers and Guards to be all-star, all-pro kind of players. No, but, not at all. But if you can – that's like your seventh, eighth guys. You yeah. Know, guys, like, just give bench players to get you 12 minutes a game, be productive. Which I think they both can do. Exactly. Like, those are good pieces to have off the bench. Absolutely. But now, let's talk about this past weekend, my friend. I was amped. I was watching all day yesterday. I watched pop- – I watched tonight. I had my, I had my TV turn on Thursday. NFL football is back with fans. Yeah, no, it's great. I love it. Um, you know, just listening to the, the – watching the Lions, um, it was crazy because you've just got people screaming, and, and you don't realize how much you miss that until you think back to when um, I was covering Central Michigan games or just watching NFL on TV, and you can't you, – it's all piped in. Uh, you can tell um, the difference between piped in crowd noise – and regular crowd noise because of the hot mic always catches some sort of profanity, and it's just so much fun to watch. And, and the football was great, too. I mean, we can talk about the fans all we want, but at the end of the day, the on-field product was awesome. Absolutely was. Let's, let's talk about this Thursday night game real quick. Tampa Bay and Dallas. We won't go, we're going to talk some of these games. We won't go huge in depth because or else we'll be here for three hours yeah, for a season premiere. I wouldn't mind doing that, but I have stuff to do today. Yeah. Mondays are busy now since I am now sports editor for Central Michigan Life. Cowboys, Buccaneers, quick takeaway from that game. Uh, Dak is back. They didn't win the game. Uh, I don't really – I'm not buying it. I'm not drinking the Cowboys Kool-Aid quite yet. But but Dak looked really good. And uh, I think that they're going to be competitive in that NFC East division, which I mean, we can get to in a, in a little bit. But, I mean, they didn't – that division didn't really look very good. Sorry. Yeah, for me, um, I think I am probably read the Cowboys a little wrong. I felt the defense was better than that any right to be. I yeah. think we all knew Dak was going to be Dak. The offense is going to put up points. But defensively, I thought they looked better than they have in the past, especially last year, which was just atrocious. Yeah. I thought the draft class they had this past year was good and needed a little more time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, if Greg Zerline knocks off the roughs before the game starts, I mean, probably Dallas probably wins that game. Yep. But Cowboys lose, which make me a happy man. So, <laughs> But one, one o'clock slate, um, I'll be talking about your Lions first. Okay. They're down 38-10 at one point, second half. Then the foul score is 41-33. First of all, you all have takeaways on that comeback. And second, if the Lions finish that comeback, do they do, do they like petition to build us the statue of Dan Campbell holding Kalashen his kneecaps in his mouth? Well, it's either that or they give him a lifetime contract, honestly. Um, but you know, as as fun as it was going through that emotional roller coaster as a fan, I think kind of the pundit side of me kind of discounted the rally as okay, this is going to change some people's opinions on what just happened at in the first three quarters, which is terrible. I mean, they looked awful in the first three quarters. Jared Goff, listen, I I understand the the playoff wins crowd and the 
the this and that. He's played in a Super Bowl, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he can't throw the ball more than about 30 yards down the field. And if he can, Anthony Lynn and company sure as heck aren't confident in his ability to do it. So you're going to see a lot of check downs. And Jim Costa, CMU alum, uh, shout out him, called him check, check down Charlie yesterday. I love that. I think it's very accurate. Um, so the offense is, at, the, at least at quarterback, is in shambles. Didn't really see anything from the wide receivers, obviously, with the lack of the downfield passing. But I was really impressed with the run game. Um, Jamal Williams was good. DeAndre Swift, is you can kind of see, he was a little bit rusty, having not played in the preseason or really even practiced. Uh, but he'll get there. And then the defense was just garbage. I mean, they, they were bad. Uh, the 49ers were marching down the field at will, and then the Lions kind of dominated the time of possession in the second half. And kind of took probably at least seven points away from the 49ers. Probably could have been more. Oh, I was not impressed. Obviously, the comeback was fun, but that's just what the Lions do. You think they're terrible, and they reel off some crazy, unheard-of comeback uh, to make it interesting and then still lose at the end. Absolutely. For me, I got touched on another Sunday 1 o'clock game that I was playing CBS instead of Fox. Uh, a lot of people were discounting this team, saying, oh, you know, they're just going to be garbage. It's going to fall apart finally. A 23-16 win over the Buffalo Bills. People, quit quit sleeping on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a top-five defense and one of the only handful of quarterbacks to win two Super Bowls. Yes, the O-line needs work. First half, oh my goodness, I want to rip my hair a little bit. But, once, I, once the nerves settle down, they finally look like to be productive against, by the way, a Buffalo Bills team that made the AFC tailgate. Buffalo Bills team that is still probably a contender to get the Super Bowl. Playing at Buffalo. The last two times Pittsburgh has played Sean McDermott's Bills, that is not fair well. Defensively, I don't think Josh Allen looked comfortable all game. Big Ben, yes, took him a half to really get going. Yeah. That pad, that touchdown pass to Deontay Johnson, great throw, great catch. Oh my goodness, I uh, I think he screamed so loud, it was insane. But people quit sleeping on Pittsburgh so much. A defense like that and a first bat Hall of Fame quarterback, it's going to be 10 wins. Anything past that? Okay, I agree. My expectation, divisional round, they're out. I'll agree with that. But remember, this team started loving out was still won the division after rattling off five five losses in the last six games. Still a good competitive ball team. Yes, the schedule's going to be tough, but enough about that. What game, what are the handful of games that kind of caught you off guard yesterday? Yeah, uh, I want to start with the Arizona Cardinals and uh, what they did to the Tennessee Titans, who are, you know, much like the Buffalo Bills, a very good football team. Arizona demolished him yesterday. Kyler Murray was all over the place. Good luck tackling him when he gets out in the open field. Uh, he was awesome. 23 or 21 of 32, rather, 289 yards, four touchdowns and a pick. He was incredible. I mean, that, that just shows, like, when Cliff Kingsbury took over, Sunday is what he wanted that offense to be. And it kind of took him a second, but now they've got DeAndre Hopkins. They've got A.J. Green, which say what you want about him. Um, and then Kyler Murray, obviously, pulling the strings. And, and that team is going to be very interesting to keep an eye on. That NFC West in general, dude, is going to be so good. Absolutely. Before we get too far, I got a hit in that Cardinals-Titans game, too. When that schedule came out, that was one game I had circled. Mm-hmm. Because, A, I didn't know what Arizona's online was going to look. And, B, I was curious about Tennessee's defense. First of all, Chandler Jones now has a son in the league. His name is Taylor LeJuan. Yeah. Five sacks. Good night, Jim Kite. Secondly, that Titans pass rush. It either needs to hit a switch next three weeks yeah. or Tennessee is going to be in a world of hurt. 
Yeah, Tennessee, I'm not going to say they got exposed because I do believe they're very good, but they got their eyes opened uh, for sure. Another one I wanted to touch on uh, was the Houston Texans-Jacksonville Jaguars game. I mean, what the heck? That Texans team is supposed to be terrible. Now, granted, I think that Urban Meyer, uh, Urban Cryer, as I like to call him, he he's just not a fit, good fit for the NFL. I think that you know, the hot take parade and this and that are going to say the same thing, but I kind of saw this coming. I didn't think they'd get beat by Houston, but I kind of saw this coming with Urban Meyer just because he just like he doesn't strike me as a very good people person. And now you're dealing with professionals. You're not dealing with college kids who are trying to get to the NFL. You're dealing with people who are already there. And I just I don't think he's a good fit. And I think I just hope they don't ruin Trevor Lawrence. You know I agree with you. Uh, the thing is though, Trevor Lawrence much looked like a player making his first NFL start. Yeah, he definitely did. Houston was a team I thought coming in the season, and with Deshaun Watson, I think that defense uh, lost as bad as they were last year. I thought they were the team that maybe could be an 0-17 team. Yeah. But sneakily, they but they have some very sneaky offensive weapons that aren't like A-tier, B-tier, but like Tyrod Taylor throwing to Brandon Cooks. Yeah. You have running back rotation of Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, David Johnson. Like, he has a good old line like, Houston offensively is not that bad. No, you mention all that, and you kind of think takes you back to like, okay, these guys would have been sweet in like twenty seventeen. Yeah, but no, absolutely. And Trevor Lawrence, man, he just. Uh, I hope he. I hope he turns out. Um, but then again, I don't have a ton of faith in Urban Meyer. Uh, one more that I wanted to hit on, and then I'm sure you want to talk about this one too. How about the Rams last night, man? <laughs> I mean, I gotta. I gotta give a shout out to my roommate who's a. He's from Chicago, and he says he's more of a hockey fan, but he he watches the Bears and he pays attention. And, and he was talking about Justin Fields, and we need to get Fields in there. And for a half, I was kind of like, yeah, we we they need to get Fields on there. Like, what's the deal here? And then as the the Rams kind of kept moving the ball, moving the ball, moving the ball, and kind of ran away with it. Um, at each series, it's like, okay, if you put Justin Fields out there in a game that you're losing. I mean, all you're risking, it all it, it's very low reward, high risk as to where, I mean, you're, you're going to be staring down Aaron Donald every play. Um, and, the, and the plays that they did run for Fields last night were generally mostly away from Donald, which credit to Matt Nagy for that because, I mean, who, what person wants their dual-threat rookie quarterback in the first game of a 17-game season to run straight at the best defensive player in the NFL? Yeah, for me, uh, 14 of LA's... 34 points came up, just secondary breakdowns. Yeah. The first touchdown of Van Jefferson. How do you not touch that man down? Yeah, geez. How? You have, you have two those two good safeties back there, and they just like, <laughs> oh, oh, he's running. Oh, shoot. Then Cooper Cup touchdown. Wide open. Yeah. Way more, way more wide open than like a double wide garage. Yeah. Like, what happened there? That, I mean, I thought Chicago could have been interesting, but... Defensively now, oh boy, but I thought it was a strength. Yeah, well, especially Eddie Jackson, who was supposed to be one of the best defensive backs in the league. Yeah. And he looked awful last night. He did. But also, I feel like potentially I could have been wrong with my assessment of the Rams. I'm not going to give it to him yet because it's only week one. Uh-huh. There's so much football left to be played. But Stafford, I will admit, looked very good. Well, yeah, I was going to say. Looked tremendous need, yesterday. We need to quickly touch on him. Because he, I knew it was coming, that first touchdown pass. I said, 
McVay's going to get him a first down or two, and then he's just going to tell Stafford to roll out and cut it loose. And that's exactly what they did. Rolled out, dropped a dime in the bucket, touchdown, um, had a couple of other really nice throws. He just looked like Chris Collinsworth, the, the analyst, he was kind of wavering, like, Matt Stafford's just learning this offense, yada, yada, yada. For somebody who's just learning the offense, he looks pretty darn comfortable to me. Yeah. A game that also, one game that surprised the limits not on me. New Orleans yeah. Saints 38, Green Bay 3. Oh my God, Green Bay has some issues, yeah. especially on that old line. Yeah, they were. They looked real bad, real bad. And I was, everybody's going to say uh, Aaron Rodgers has checked out. That might very well be the case, but the issues go below, beyond the quarterback being unhappy. And then Jameis Winston, LASIK eye surgery. How about that? <laughs> going to eat that W up real yeah. quick. Don't mind if I do. It's, it's, a, it's a little post-game thing, too. That was hilarious. Oh, my goodness. But this train out was kind of funny. If you don't want to talk about luck it up, uh, I unfortunately I came up with the quote entirely off the top of my head. It was, just that it, was, bi- it was that bizarre. It was something about his trainer telling him to be pre- He's like, our trainer wanted us to be prepared. He told us. Oh, what did he tell us? He just told us to be prepared. <laughs> It's classic, but I'll tell you what, though. No, the Green Bay not having David Bakhtiari for the first six weeks. Yeah. Elton Jenkins kicking the left tackle. They got two rookies starting, and I'm sorry, that Saints defense is underrated, in my opinion. Some of the pieces they have, like Cameron Jordan is, like, second league in sacks. It's like 2017 or something stat I saw. Like, the only person that's more is Aaron Donald. That just tells you how good he is. But... If I'm Green Bay, I have a lot of questions after this week. Yeah. A, sorry, stop, that's a line, especially. What are you going to do there? B, what are you going to do in defense now? Because if you could keep committing those turnovers, if you're all, if you're all like, can't do anything, that defense is going to be out there for about 35 minutes of the game, and you can't yeah. have that with your, your, your reading MVP at quarterback. Yeah. I'm not buying totally to Aaron Rodgers saying they lost all on him. Yeah, so it was week one. Yes, yeah, so Olin got demolished. Mm-hmm. But next week you see Detroit on Monday night. Yeah, that's when you're going to find out a lot because that's not a good Lions team at all. Absolutely. So week one out of the way, let's break down these divisions. Christian, AFC East, who's your pick right now? Oh, uh, Buffalo. I think Buffalo right now gets the edge just because, I mean, they're bringing the most back. They were AFC championship team a year ago and um, Josh Allen, I mean, he kind of already took that next step, but I think there's one more hill he's got to climb to get from, like, good, like, perennial Pro Bowl type thing to, like, like top-tier next echelon. So uh, it'll be interesting to follow that. Obviously, they kind of fell apart in the second half yesterday, and um, that'll be interesting to follow. But don't sleep on New England, man. Don't sleep on New England. I, I mean, we talked about it on here last year. I was not high on Mac Jones. I didn't like him, but he is in a perfect system in New England, and he's. I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, give me Buffalo, but I think that it's an 11-win team. Yeah. I don't think it's 13 and 14 like I probably thought going in. I think pass rush still has to have, has a little work left to do. Not a whole lot, though. Ed Oliver, I thought, looked good this week, too. They've been waiting for him forever to finally reach that ceiling because they mentioned, like, we got get drafted. His floor right now is low, but his ceiling is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that could take a little time. Um, but also watch out maybe for Miami in that division, too. Yeah. Especially if Tua can play solid football now that he has a lot of weapons. And that defense can take the next steps. Who knows what can happen? Um, AFC North. See, now this is where it gets kind of interesting because for a half 
the Browns looked like it was next stop Super Bowl, and then they just fell apart in the second half. I mean, they were up 12 at two different occasions. The way they came out in that first drive and punched Kansas City right in the throat, I was like, oh my goodness, what has happened here? And then they just fell apart. But I think they're my pick to win the division right now, uh, Cleveland. And then after that, I mean, it just gets really interesting just because, like, the ceiling for all the remaining three teams, maybe not Cincinnati, but Baltimore and Pittsburgh, the ceiling is, of course, like, division winner, this and that, uh, double-digit wins. But on the other side, like, if one or two things go wrong, I mean, Baltimore's without um, uh, all their running backs. I was going to say a small classroom's worth of running backs. um, And they just, like, I don't know. I, I think right now it probably goes Cleveland. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, uh, but I could see that division shaking out any of the possible ways, really. Yeah, going in the season, there's a three-way dogfight. I gave the edge to Cleveland. Obviously, Baltimore, I think, is biting the injury bug pretty hard right now. Yeah. If Jedrick Wells misses a significant amount of time or can't play the rest of the season, because he left looked like a pretty bad knee injury last week, if he's gone, they could be in a will or hurt. A little bit of bias here, but I think with a 10-7 record... Pittsburgh's got it, I think. But, you know, again, I'm biased, and I pick just a little bit. Although they'll feel, do feel in that division, they have the best defense. They probably have the best quarterback, too. He's both experienced. Yeah. But, again, like you mentioned, it's a three-way dogfight. It, it wouldn't surprise me if Cleveland or Baltimore won the division somehow. It wouldn't surprise me if somehow, like, three teams all this division got in the playoffs. Like, yeah, division winner, but I could see two wildcard spots coming out of this division, too. Yeah, for sure. And then we get to the... AFC South, ladies and gentlemen, right now, Houston is in first place. Yep. I'm just going to let that sit for a second. Okay, we're good. Who you got picking that, uh, winning that division? I have Tennessee winning, and I think that they'll, whatever happened this past week, they'll probably write the ship and get it back together and probably win double-digit games. Um, I think after that, though, I think it's going to be Indianapolis, and I think Indianapolis is going to be fighting for a wild-card spot for at least most of the year. They might... Real one in. Uh, we'll get to the West in a second, but um, they're going to be fighting with those teams from the West as well to get them wild card spots. So uh, give me Tennessee, Indianapolis, and then Jacksonville and Houston are going to be fighting for the bottom. So my mom and stepdad have season tickets to uh, to the Tennessee Titans home games. So, um, Dwayne, I love you. I'm picking Indy. I think defensively they're the most well-rounded team in that division. I think Baltimore still, I mean, not Baltimore, Tennessee, yeah. Still has some questions, I think, need answered. And I'm not sold on Tennessee's line right now. They've had to patch up right tackling for the third straight year now. I think Indy, when they're healthy, and I thought Wentz looked good, not great. Like, if you give him a little more time, I feel it'll be fine. But I think Indy has the best and well-rounded roster in the league right in that division. So I think it's Indy 1, Tennessee 2. It's going to be tight. Historically, Indy has just stomped on Tennessee. And then a little gap. Houston and Jacksonville. And so I don't mean a little gap. I mean about a good 20-size gap. Yeah. 20-foot-size gap. Uh, then finally, the AFC West. As we're recording, we don't have uh, money football between the Ravens and Raiders yet. But who do you think in the West? Is it Kansas City? Yeah. Okay, I, so we don't have to go too far into that then. Yeah, but I would like to say that uh, the Denver Broncos are my sleeper team, and I expect them to be in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm going to say the battle for second could be really interesting. Like, yeah. I, like, we talk about the AFC North being deep. That division, AFC West could end up being a very sleeper deep division as well. 
Denver could sneak up at second place. The Chargers look like they could do something. They handled that pass rush, I think, to a decent extent. Yeah. Then the Raiders, well, we'll see. Shift to the NFC East. Who you like? Um, Dallas. I do think the Cal. Maybe it's just from hard knocks, but I, I'm convinced that Dallas is going to win that division. Uh, I don't love Philadelphia, and I certainly don't like New York. Um, and then Washington will kind of be up in the air, but they'll go as far as their quarterback takes them. And, and I wasn't. I haven't heard how serious the Fitzpatrick injury. I know he didn't finish the game, um, but I, I I hadn't heard whether he was going to miss a significant amount of time or not. But regardless, I think Dallas one, Washington two, uh, Philly three, New York four, Washington one, Dallas two, Philly three, New York four. Here's why. On the offensive side of the ball, maybe outside a tight end, you could argue running back, Dallas is the best every position, offensively. You could argue Saquon and Zeke. You could argue maybe a different tight end there. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll argue Dallas Goddard or Zach Ertz over Blake Jarwin. Defensively, though, Washington has that edge in the last spots. That front four and front seven is just, it could be in the same level as San Francisco was two years ago. If you want to think about her enough with that defensive front. And to me, defense trumps offense. Like, I want to see these matchups with Dallas and Washington this season. It's going to be awesome. And also, personally, I don't think people give Taylor Heineke enough credit. Who's going to be replacing Ryan Fitzpatrick. I thought he was going to start out of the gate. When he stepped in in that division, in that wildcard round against Tampa, yeah. everyone thought, no way, no way Washington hangs around. That was an eight-point game, and Heineke made some really good throws. Yeah, he was good. Heineke kept them in that game for to an extent. Like, people need to start respecting Taylor Heineke a little bit. Now, with Dallas, they're a five. They could be the five seed. They're they're Dallas is a playoff team. Yeah, and a discussion. They are a playoff team. Will they win the East? I'm going to say no. But I think Dallas is still a playoff team. I think two teams come out of division in the playoffs. Uh, NFC North. This division just got as clear as mud, I feel yeah. like, this week. Everybody's 0-1, so technically, as I'm looking at the San Francisco ESPN, Detroit's in first place. Yeah. <laughs> Who I thought was going to happen after week one? Isn't that crazy? <sighs> Who do you like? Uh, Green Bay and everybody else. I, I just I don't think the Bears, the Vikings, or the Lions are going to be any good. And I think that Green Bay, at the end of the day, has the best quarterback in the that division. Green Bay wins it. If Minnesota clean things, cleans things up. They'll compete for a wild card spot. Chicago, I feel the writing's written on the wall for both Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. It's yeah. done. Eight eight last year, losing the wild card round. If Trubisky's gone, that was the guy that they traded up one spot to get in the class that had uh, Deshaun Watson, which now is like, yeah, maybe it's a good decision. But Patrick Mahomes went a couple picks later. There are better quarterbacks in that class. Guys, that's only started one year. I'm sorry, Bears fans, but I think this could be an ugly year, especially now. There's a competition, the controversy, and mm-hmm. you know the phrase goes: if you have two quarterbacks, you have zero. Yep. I think we saw it. Um, the NFC South. After this past week, I feel like it gets a little more interesting toward the top. So, who do you like in the South? Um, uh, the South. I like New Orleans. I do. I like the the Saints. To wait, no, 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 no. Check that. I do not like New Orleans. I my mind slipped and I forgot all about Tampa Bay. Buccaneers win it. Um, obviously we talk about Tom Brady enough, 
but no, that slipped my mind. I like New Orleans to finish second. I like New Orleans to make the playoffs. Uh, but I like as with the North, those bottom two teams just aren't very good. Like the Carolina, Carolina might sneak up on some people. Um, Atlanta obviously has still some talent. It's just all old. And um, so for that reason, I think those two are at the bottom. I will say this about this Tampa team. Hot take. No worse than 14 wins. No worse finish than the NFC title game. This team reminds me so much of the 07 Patriots. Glad they went 16-0. There's a part of me that feels that they could replicate that. But, mm-hmm. you know, health issues may happen. Right. And with Sean Murphy bunting, you know, I'm hoping he's okay. That nasty Iron Man, so I get this kid elbow just... They're not deep in this, that corner. Yeah. And one of the better safeties was out last week, too. But, you know, Tampa won. Easy. One seed. Yeah. They got the bye. Mm-hmm. New Orleans, I feel, could be still 11-12 win team. I think the difference with Breeze is with Winston. Winston's a heck of a lot more mobile. Mm-hmm. And I think he's not afraid to go deep a little more. Yeah. I think he's got a stronger arm than Breeze did. Yeah, for sure. So I think that adds just a little more of an element to that offense. Yeah, and and before we move on, can we talk about Drew Brees on Sunday Night Football on Football Night in America? Looks so nasty. It was just it was just weird, and his hair grew back too. That's yeah, so man. weird. Um, but yeah, no, I for some I was looking at the standings and New Orleans was on top, so I was like, oh, and then I, my Tampa Bay slipped my mind. But no, they'll win, and I I mean we can talk Super Bowl in a second, but I mean they're gonna be there. So yeah, um, yeah, NFC West. This is going to be a four-way dog play. Everybody's 1-0 right now after this week. Yeah. Something's got to give. Who's he picked? Oh, gosh. Uh, my mind tells me the Rams, and I really want to go with it, but I think it's going to be... Oh, gosh. You know what? No, we'll go with the Rams. I think they're the most complete team. I think that offensively, they're good. Defensively, they're probably the best of the four. Uh, you could argue maybe San Francisco with that defensive line, but... They're going to be without Jason Ferret, Jason Verrett in the secondary, and that's going to hurt them. So, uh, give me Los Angeles one, and then oh gosh, you can go any of the. I'll go Seattle two because the, I mean Russell Wilson's going to keep them in it all year. Arizona three, San Francisco four. I like the Niners personally. I think we have defensively. Yeah, Verrett's out, but I mean that front seven is still just a yeah. nightmare to deal with. And also, this is also like the last chance Jimmy G has to prove himself. Seriously. He, I, I, I mean, this is a chance for a guy who got you to a Super Bowl two years ago to prove like, hey, y'all it's messed time, up. Yeah. Y'all messed up training up to three to take, it, to take this Trey Lance, to take this kid out of the boonies in North Dakota State. Yeah. And this is coming from a guy who's also from the boonies in Klamax, Michigan. 700 people, 200 cows. Quick shout out to that hometown. Um, <laughs> I just don't know about the Rams down the stretch I just it's hard for me to completely buy in after one week now I do like the fact that they move Ramsey more over to a safety role yeah. you saw a lot more in the box and saw him make a lot more plays on the edge yeah he's kind of like a hybrid nickel darn yeah I, love, I loved it I love the fact that they had that role for him because A he was a safety of Florida State yes he was uh, the Rams from the corner I'm not 100% sure why besides the fact he's shut down but if you have a playmaker like that on the perimeter and then with Aaron Donald on the inside like that, two of the best players in their respective areas in the NFL, mm-hmm. um, yeah, defense is going to be good. But, you know, it's football. Anybody beats anybody. I mean, I'll be dead honest. I haven't seen Stafford healthy for an entire season in a couple of years. Yeah. I feel he's in a better situation with the Rams, but, you know, who knows. But 
That's a good NFL talk. Let's transition here. Let's talk a little baseball. Yeah. I think one of the next episodes we talked, um, we talked under over for the Tigers. We had a hard time giving them over 65 wins. It is September 13th, and they're currently 68 and 76. What in the world happened with this team? I mean, it's the hinge effect. They, they just look like an entirely different group. I mean, the pitching is... I mean, there's still games where you wonder what the heck's going on with that bullpen. And, and Mize and Scooball aren't, aren't always on. They aren't always... But, but then again, who is in this league? So, um, I think that they, they, they're doing it right now. I think that Al Avila knows that his time's a ticking and... Um, it's time to go. Like this is it. Yeah, I mean you've got. If you don't spend it this year, you have to next year. And and really, there's no excuse for not spending this year, um, unless a couple of those shortstops resign. So, I mean, we'll see. But I like the trajectory that we're on. I really do. Yeah, I did not expect this kind of uh, competitive nature of a team with the roster they have. Yeah. Uh, I am I am stoked for the fact that Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson both have taken just massive steps. Oh this yeah, season. for sure. I am I am I am heart's broken for Dylan Dingler though for having that finger issue. Yeah. And then Jake Rogers and have Tommy Johns because he was starting to starting to you know be somewhat productive. Yeah, for sure. But thank goodness though, my boy Eric Haas, out of nowhere, mm-hmm. my goodness. Just a lot of these guys that like these new names like Eric Haas, Akil Badu, just to name a few. Thanks for around there. I mean It's a haiku. Yeah. And then and then Dr. talk about Gregory Soto, Jose Cisnero. I mean, Cal Funkhausers look good, like it seems, it seems like out of nowhere, the the fruits of the farm system are not rotting. Like they were yeah, in 02 no. and 03, 04 and all that. For sure, and and I think part of it's because they hit on a couple of these under the radar signings like a Robbie Grossman, definitely like John and Scope, um, and then certainly Eric Haas, who I can't remember if they signed him as a minor league free agent or if they traded him for a bag of Doritos um, from Cleveland. Uh, but, I mean, Eric Haas, I mean, shout out Korn, by the way, his walk-up song. What? Yeah. No, I I uh, had to throw that in there, but... Uh, no, he's been good, and they've all really, a lot of them signings that they've hit on. I mean, you just look back at the earlier years of this rebuild and when they were missing on guys like Mike Pelfrey and Mark Lowe and, like, that bunch, and now all of a sudden, like, that's what this was supposed to be. And, like, yeah, no. It just, it's not what, they're finally, they got the right guys in charge, and I'm excited to see where they go. Gosh. First of all, it's crazy, this farm system, like, kind of, you know, being productive. Yeah. Because I remember 2015, I was coaching football at Tamil High School, and I mentioned to the head coach, like, he's a big Tiger fan, like, hey, uh, Tigers added Randy Wolf. He looks at me and says, who did we give up? We're depleted. It's like, we gave up cash. Yeah. We just both laugh. I remember that. But now it's like, this farm system's fruitful. It's one of the top ten in the league. But on the spot here, you and I both want to say, free short stock, free, uh, short stock, free agent market's good luck. Yeah. Pick one. What do you want? Oh, gosh, off the top of my head, uh, Correa. Make a case. Well, I think that, obviously, outside of the obvious familiarity between him and Hinge, I just think he makes the most sense. I mean, he's got probably the best bat you could argue. I mean, you could argue any of them, really, but Lindor's not coming available, and I don't want anything to do with Javi Baez. So I just think it's very, I mean, he strikes out quite a bit, yeah, 
Um, but he's going to hit for power. He's going to hit for contact. That average is decent. I'd have to pull up uh, what his career average is. But he, I, I just like the fit. You know, I, I think that he, and he's already been the star. He's been the guy. Um, and I think that he, he wouldn't necessarily have to be that here. Because you've got Green and Torkelson coming up. So you don't, I mean, he's Carlos Correa is going to be kind of that third guy. Uh, obviously, he'll be the best player from the start out of all of them, but he won't be the one all the eyes are on, and I think that'll be good for him. And not only that, but he wants to win games, and, and he can be that guy to, to push the Tigers forward. For the longest time, I would say Korea too, but I was thinking about this last night because I don't know how the team's going to handle a short-step situation because they got two guys they can keep, but if one guy goes free, it's got to be Trey Turner. In oh, my personal you- opinion, because here's why. Since the 2020 shortened season, he's hit over about 315. Yeah, Trey Turner's awesome. His OPS has been north of 900. He can swipe you 40, 50 bags when he's healthy all season. The power is finally starting to get there. I think he's going to finish about 15, 20 home runs this year. Could you imagine if it goes like Badu, him, Green, Torkelson, maybe Cabrera yeah. there too for next season? That'd be nuts. That top five would be insane. Not only that, but you got you got a house on top line that can move. It fits with that whole fits. He's a five-tool guy. Yeah. He's a guy that's at last speed. Like, I could mention this year. We see him this year. Last stolen bases. Yeah. Well, remember this team's in, like, 11 through 14. Oh, they're on base. Who's that? Oh, he's slow. Well, then moving forward. I mean, I think the identity like that, he fits perfect. Well, I, I certainly agree with you. I just, I, I don't really think that's going to happen. Just because, I mean, he's still got another year, and, um, Seeger, I think, is probably the one that's more likely to go, which, I mean, I wouldn't hate getting him either. So, um, kind of, but they got to get one of them. I mean, there's this talk that Ryan Kreidler is going to be, like, the star shortstop, and, I mean, I think he can be a good piece, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, so while we're talking about it here, um, what have been some headlines so far this season in baseball that you've uh, kind of caught your eye? I mean, you touched on Trey Turner. How about that Dodgers-Nationals trade, man? Max Scherzer's looked dominant since he got in there, and I mean, you throw him in there with, with Walker Bueller and Kershaw, and geez, man, it's gonna—it's just tough to imagine them not coming out on top, even though they're still two and a half back in the division. Uh, which brings me to San Francisco, who I either picked last or maybe second to last, being generous, and they just completely taken the baseball baseball world by storm, and then you go get like a Chris Bryant. And all of a sudden, you can like I can reasonably see them at playing in the Fall Classic uh, at the end of the show. So, really, the National League West taking off is is caught by surprise. And how about the implosion of the New York Mets? <laughs> Yeesh! I mean, I follow that uh, the barstool guy Frank the Tank, and he's a Mets fan, and I just love seeing him with the outbursts and the screaming and biting his hat. It's just so funny. Yeah, I want to do apologize. So I thought Turner's contract was after this year. He has one more arbitration. Yes. I totally blanked on that. My bad. But still, I want Turner in Detroit badly. So I still stand by that point. I mean, he could reasonably be acquired via trade. Yeah, I mean. He had to give up Torkelson. Nah. Nah. Kreidler. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the Mets. Even though right now, um, three games back in the wild card. Yeah. Five games back in the division. I mean, if they can get hot here, stay hot, like, they could maybe sneak in there. But we only have, like, what, three, four weeks up in the season? Yeah. Like, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, especially when looking up at San Diego, Cincinnati, L.A., St. Louis, Philadelphia. 
um, be hard. A team that has definitely kind of caught my eye as a bit of a surprise. Well, first of all, I when we talked baseball preview, I talked about how great the Minnesota Twins were going to be. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, was I wrong. Yeah. Wow. Kenta Maeda took a dump. Berrios is gone. Donaldson was not the MVP. Bar- Donaldson's not had a great season. Everything other that could go wrong for the Twins has gone wrong. I will admit it right now. I was so wrong on that. Just there's one or two teams that just like everything fell apart and went wrong. It's Minnesota. Yeah, yeah they which, were bad. Which hey, who would have thought at the end of the year we're talking Minnesota in last place division, Tigers potentially third or second place? Yeah, they're game out of second. Looks like. Jesus, that isn't that free, isn't that nuts? And then for me, um. Kind of surprised that Toronto was caught in this hot of fire this late. I yeah. thought, honestly, they're going to need, like, one more year. But Robbie Ray has been the ace for them. Remember that name, Tiger fans? Yeah. Remember that one? Oh, boy. I mean, that Hinton Ray has been good. They added Jose Barrios. If they can keep him around, oh, boy. That's a good one, two, three to go with Alex Manoa and some other guys they have coming up. Um... But also, just Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has taken that next step. Yes, he has. And about four others. Like, mm-hmm. good grief. Um, Yankees, a little bit of a disappointment. Um, Seattle's been a pleasant surprise, too. Yeah. I felt the farm system still needed some work. Still needed to, like, get some guys up. But, hey, good for them right now. They are 11 games above five hundred. Wild card right now, three back. I mean, they're still in striking distance, but I don't think it's going to happen. Another team that's been let down, they get it injuries. Um, Los Angeles Angels. Yeah. That pitching that some guys are light on, like, I thought, I played a watch in the division with Dylan Bundy. Yeah. And, oh my goodness, that was that guy, like, a top 10 first round pick. Like, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Got moved the bullpen a few times. Uh, I will say, though, too, before he took a, took a shot to the skull from the baseball in the face. Yeah. Chris Bassett was having a great season. Yes, he was. I wanted to point that out. I called Chris Bassett. Watch out for that man. Unfortunately, Fantasy League was not able to snag him. But still glad to see that prediction stuck. Um, just going over the divisions really quickly. I also mentioned Washington could be a sleeper. Again, eek. Yeah. Eek. Uh, Schwarber went there in June. They sold him. Obviously, a one-year deal. Um, obviously, Scher- uh, Scherzer and Turner are both gone. Although they, they, I think they got pretty penny for that one. Mm-hmm. Corbin was banged up. Strasburg made four starts again. Th- again, two D this man made fantasy baseball team. Um, but also, one last thing I want to hit on. I think you probably hit on them, but I can't blank blank for a second. San Francisco. We talked about them. Maybe finish a fourth, last in the division. Yeah. Especially on an odd year. I mean, an odd number year. What in the world is in the water in San Francisco right now? They, I mean, I can't, I can't really tell you. Uh, just, you know, you turn on the TV and, and I don't really... I'm, I'm, I'm very much a neutralized Tigers fan. I don't go out of my way, unless it's like a marquee game, to, to sit down and like watch the Giants at 4.05 on a Sunday. Um, but holy cow, I mean, they were just, you just see them on the, the ticker and they're winning and they're winning and they're winning and, and man, I mean, they've done it. They've turned it around and unless something crazy happens in the next couple of weeks, they're probably going to win their division and play a series at home. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's easy to say that they could be a team that's, it's set for an upset, but, um, 
in the playoffs, but I just, I don't buy it. I think that they're in good shape, and um, I certainly think that the, the Giants, the question is, is it sustainable, though? And that's something I don't know. I think for this year it can be, but big shout-out. I've heard for years how good this guy's stuff is, how good it could be, and with the Orioles just didn't happen. Kevin Gossman this year, 14-5, 2.65 ERA, walk, uh, whip of 1.01 and 21 strikeouts. Man, I mean, if you need an ace, there you go. Yeah. And also, I'm just really glad to see the veteran core like Brandon Crawford, Brandon Bell, and Buster Posey get one more shot of this son of a gun. Mm-hmm. Also, when he gets healthy, Evan Longoria, hopefully, uh, can get a shot of getting his ring. Like They got, have a lot of veteran players. Yes, they do. That, like, I want to see do well. But on the clock, on the spot here, World Series prediction. Uh, Dodgers and uh, I wanted to say White Sox, but I'm going to go Tampa Bay. Dodgers and Tampa Bay, and L.A. wins it. Rematch. You know what, because I'm just feeling weird, and you know what, none of my takes are really stuck and hit the wall this year except for Chris Bassett. I'm going to have some fun here. I think this is going to be a personal hell for Avalon Goria. Give me Tampa Bay and San Francisco. Oh, that would Let's be have sick. some fun, shall we? Since we're just taking wild guesses here, because my guess at the start of the season, not that great. But, hey, give me San Francisco. Give me Tampa Bay. Give me Tampa Bay coming back. Like I mentioned, we started season two. I was around this. Tobias just need a one-year mesh. Yeah, I think we saw Blake Snell left the injury yesterday. Just take a little time, especially when you get Mike Clevenger back. Oh, boy. Yeah, they'll be good. But that kind of breaks down our MLB talk. All right, Christian, it's time for my favorite segment you do. First time this season. Season 5 premiere of Quick Thoughts. Yeah, okay, right off the bat, I want to know about the gambling weekend. How was it? Well, it was hit and it was miss. I did hit Cleveland plus 5.5 yesterday. I hit on Philadelphia plus three and a half. I hit on Carolina minus four and a half against the Jets. I missed with Jacksonville minus three and a half. And I missed with the Colts plus three. So take that as you will. Three for five on my betting. That's 60% on the thing I should put money on. So not too bad. Uh, my number pool of um, spreads and over-unders. Um, let's not talk about it. It's week one. I got to knock off the rest. Yeah, so. for sure. Um, the second thing is kind of staying in that line of thought, the fantasy team. How was it? You can give the listeners a little breakdown of what you got. Well, gosh, which team want to talk about? Because there's five of them. Okay, well, we'll, do, we'll stick with one. We'll stick with the one that you feel is your best, um, or maybe one that it, that's in the league that you most want to win. I know you're a competitive person, so you want to win them all. But I'll talk about this team, this league I'm in, with some friends of mine from Battle Creek back okay. home. It's on an app that is called Flea Flicker. It is a 32-roster Dynasty Keeper. Oh, wow. Yes. So we had a draft. Uh, I'm going to win this week. I know it. Um, if Big Ben plays an average game week 15 last year, I win that, and I win 125 bucks. But because he you know, just decided to just you know crap the bed, and I broke my roommate's uh, really chair. So sorry about that, Josh. Uh, I sell 25. But the roster is, is as follows when I start, at least for this week. Uh, I have to swap out Sonny Michelle for a different receiver this week. But the roster is as follows. Patrick Mahomes, Ben Roethlisberger, Alvin Kamara, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Stephon Diggs, DK Metcalf, 
DeAndre Hopkins, Cooper Cup, Marquise Brown, Travis Kelsey, Justin Tucker, and the Panthers defense, which will out this week. I also have Matt Ryan, Teddy Bridgewater, Taylor Heineke, Trey Lance. Uh, I set up Cam Akers just for a long-term picture thing. Uh, Curtis Samuel, James Washington, Henry, Henry Ruggs, KJ Hamler, Eric Ebron, Pat Fryermuth, a couple defenses. So, to say I'm loaded, I think it's a fair Yeah, no, you are. Yeah, but also I have four others I'll also discuss too out uh, this season of Unsportsmanlike as well. Uh, out of the five leagues I have, I'm going to win in four this week. So, and the other one that I'm losing in, I kind of felt like, oh, A, Aaron Rodgers did, but Aaron Rodgers did, and B, I kind of knew, like, looking at all five teams, like, that's the roster. It felt like it's just the iffiest. Yeah, I'm uh, going to be 0-1 in both of the leagues that I'm in. Uh, I made a couple bad decisions. I didn't start Kareem Hunt and Devontae Smith. Um, oh, well. Oh, well. So, in advance. And the third thing I want to talk to you about is kind of, in the line that we do uh, for work here at Central Michigan, uh, you know, there's a rumor going around on the internet that Mitch Vosberg is the best dress reporter in the Mid American Conference. Uh, <laughs> could, could you touch on that? Yes, it is confirmed. Um, if any reporter in the Mid American Conference wants to touch me with that uh, interesting fact, um, yeah, go ahead and come at me. We'll see how we, do, we can do. Uh, right with the Austin Red, White, and Blue suit on Saturday. Uh, it's actually now my tagline in both. My Twitter and my LinkedIn that I am the best dress reporter in the American Conference. Uh, those who don't know, check out my Twitter photo, my Facebook stuff. Um, yeah, you can follow me at Real Mitch Weber. Uh Just check it out. I mean, it was a fun day Saturday. It was. I roasted. I was really dehydrated after that game, though. My, both my calves about cramped up watching the Michigan-Washington game. So, oh. we'll get to that in a little bit. But, yes, I will now claim it. I am the best dress reporter in the American Conference. Yep, and then I got read the ride act by my mother because I wasn't in a suit. So, um, yeah, so those are my three. Boom, quick thoughts. All right, quick thoughts brought to you by no one as of yet. Yes. We're still, I'm still trying to figure out the whole sponsor deal. Uh, if you are a small business owner or just a business owner in the Mount Pleasant area and you're considering maybe sponsorship on this podcast, please reach out to us. You can reach out to me via email, sports at cm-life.com. You can reach out to me at Twitter at Real Mitch v- Vebert, or you can reach out to Christian at C Boor underscore. I got that right, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Taking forever to get that right. So, moving on to the next segment, buy or sell rumors. All right, you ready? Yep. I have a couple. We'll see how it goes. Number one, I heard this rumor. It wasn't a good source. It's probably just full of malarkey, but it's a fun thinker. There is a massive butting of heads between Al Avila and A.J. Hinch. And by sounds of this offseason, um, Al Avila will get moved up to a VP role and bring a new general manager to keep Hinch happy. You buying or selling that? Uh, yeah, it's a thinker, and it's, it's, it's a source that I don't trust. But it's for the sake of the pod, like, it's a fun little discussion. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I will. Because I think that they're in, in – I think they have kind of different viewpoints – um, on where this team should be. I think Hinch wants to win a World Series, and and uh, Al Avila wants to win individual games and this and that. And he's, I think Al Avila's kind of fallen in love with his prospects and hit the guys that he's drafted, and a lot of them just haven't panned out. So I, I can see where they're on a different page. I believe they, they butt heads, but I'm, not, I'm selling the fact that they're going to get a new GM. Would I love to see it? Yes. Yeah. But I, I will give credit to Avila now, come some of the younger guys they have found. Like, getting your hands on Keel, but doing Eric Haas. Yep. 
and having these young pitchers like Mize and Scoople have looked as what you expect from them having their first full years in the MLB. So I think, you know, Avila's done a good job. Has he done a great job? Uh, all the trades they had with, like, yeah. J.D. And Terrible. Verlander not really panned out. But second thought, second rumor. The obvious drama for both Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson is far from settled. They are both trade candidates for this next offseason in 2022. Also, uh, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, yes. I don't think Russell Wilson's going anywhere. I, I never really have. Um... So I guess I'll buy half of it with uh, with Aaron Rodgers because I do think he's, I mean, if he doesn't get traded, I think this is about it for him. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly Rodgers, but definitely not Russell Wilson. Yeah, honestly, um, Russell Wilson, I'll put a question mark on. Uh, I think also the fact that he only had four draft picks last year, that doesn't help. Yeah. Uh, Rodgers, I'm buying 100%. He's not in Green Bay next year. Yep. He is not. Also, I think Devontae Adams is gone, too, because there's a reason why he hasn't inked that extension yet. Yep. If Rodgers is staying, and you're Devontae Adams, like, why do you want to leave? Right. This could be a rough patch for Green Bay, especially them drafting defense so much over the past 10 years. Yep. But I'm, uh, I'm buying half of that as well. Those tears of sorrow are going to taste so awesome in two years when they're terrible. Yep. So those are two rumors I have. I couldn't even find much of a third. So... And you want because I'm such a nice guy, we're moving to corners. I'll let you have your corner first for the season premiere. How's well, that I'm gonna, yeah, I appreciate that. I'm not going to take up too much of your time. I just want to inform the listeners of three thing, three uh, three words that you already know. I mean, I know it. You know it. Michigan is back. Michigan football is back. We are so back in a big way. Look, I don't care that you miss me with the bogus take that you can't win football games running the football 50 times like we did on Saturday night. Because guess what? You've got to line up. You've got to pack the box, and then you've got to stop it because we're going to run the ball down your throat. And it's not that Cade McNamara is not a good quarterback. It's that we didn't have to throw the ball. We don't need to throw the ball. Would we have thrown it if we needed to? Absolutely. Didn't have to. Guess what? You threw for 44 yards. Oh, tough. And guess what? If we really need a quarterback and he's that bad, we're just going to call up J.J. McCarthy get him off the bench. You saw the throw he made against Western Michigan. That back shoulder ball right here. Awesome throw. I mean, Michigan's back. We're back. Will we beat Ohio State? Probably. I mean, look at them. They looked not great on Saturday. Um, We're going to be able to run the ball down a lot of teams' throats. The team, I will admit it, the team I'm the most worried about right now is Michigan State. They scare the living daylights out of me. For the first time this millennium, that offense is explosive. I mean, they can go. So Michigan State scares me, but I'll leave it at this. Michigan is back. I want to say that is when November hits, I'll be here with a hug and tissues to console your broken heart. I mean, I, I, I was bold with my Ohio State prediction. Like, season ended today. If the game was this week, I think we'd beat them. Uh, but, like, we're going to go into Camp Randall. And if we don't win there, yikes. All right, so for my corner, I alluded to it at the beginning of the show about the wings. Let's talk about the wings right now. We're starting to see the young core start to develop. I think Murray Sider, yes, he'll be up. Lucas Raymond has a shot of it. Jonathan Bagrin has a shot. Vellano's up. 
Let's talk about the contract situation, shall we? As of right now, the only players signed for 2023-24 are as follows. <clears throat> Jacob Verana, Michael Rasmussen, and Philip Heronik. You remember a couple of years ago, the Wings were in a really bad salary cap situation with Justin Albuquerque's bad contract, and Zetterberg and Franzen. Just so many big contracts were just ugly. Yeah. Next offseason, that's gone. Because also, getting off the books, you'll be losing Danny DeKaiser's contract. You will be losing Mark Stahl's contract, which is not as big. But you already got rid of Franz Nielsen's deal with a buyout. You also probably not have to... You have to figure out something with Robbie Fabry. If you decide to keep him. Same with Nemestikov. You also figure going to do with Sam Gagne and Carter Rowney, who they just got. Um, so guess how much cap space the Wings will have next offseason before some extensions hit? A ton. $44.8 million in cap space. Yep. The next season will be $69.334. Iceman has cap flexibility. Now, I'll talk to some friends. Iceman's more of a guy that, like, wheels and deals with trades. We've seen it. But guys like Nadelkovich and Letty train up to get to take Sebastian Kosa 15 overall. However, next year's free agent class will be stupid loaded. Yep. There's a couple big names. One name I was hoping to talk about was Colton Pareko from the St. Louis Blues, but he inked a new eight-year deal with the Blues. That's gone. It stinks. 6'6", six, six, moves like a gazelle. I'm over it. Anyway, a couple big names that people need to keep their eyes on. Let's go back first to the Wings in the 90s, 2000s. When Eisner was a dominant two-way center, there was another center behind him that was just absolute fire rocket, right? And Sergei Federov. Eisner wants to still learn from the focus of being the best two-way center. So what are you going to do to try to find his replacement? I mean, the guy below him. Peace suitor? I mean, yeah, yeah, he'll be a good center. Is he going to be that dynamite guy? No. There's a guy from Florida and the Florida Panthers, because they're in a cap situation that's going to be Ralph for Sergei Bobrovsky's contract and Keevan Johnson Huberto. Named Alexander Barkov. He is the best player in the NHL that nobody knows about. He's a guy that will average over a point in the game. Who, honestly, if you want to go power rankings, it's McDavid, McKinnon, Dreisaitl, Barkov. Bite me on that. I don't care. Come, come at me in my DMs. I dare you. The dude is an animal. That's a guy, if he hits the free agent market, with over 40 million cap space. And the young nucleus and farming system they have. And you, Steve Eisman is convincing you. You know, the Be the Future in Detroit, mm-hmm. you know, the original six franchise. Yeah. Yep. Especially playing with Larkin. There's your centers locked up. Let's talk defense, though. You have Moritz Sider, you have Simon Edvidson, you have William Wallander. There's some good defense prospects. But I think you need one more left handed shooting defenseman. Yeah. There's guys like Hapislin um, Holm from Anaheim, from Anaheim that sticks out to me. If you want to go another defenseman, maybe right handed shot. You know, John Klingberg looks like he's going to be free agent. Muir Hiskinen just got paid a couple breaks trucks. He's probably going to have to walk because they're also in a tight cap space in a Colting situation. There are so many other defensemen out there, too. Like, Ryan Strom could be a fit. There's so many other defensemen out there. This is going to be a massive free agent class. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Detroit is going to build a roster off this. But this is the offseason where they add one or two pieces in free agency. Because right now, I just went to trade again. Do you really want to give up any of these prospects at this point? Especially when your goal is to accumulate draft picks. Mm. No, right? 
Yeah. Maybe if you trade for every for a piece on the road, like, look. I didn't get a chance to talk about this, really. But Detroit fleeced Washington. I Jacob yes. Brown a deal. I traded run that exact same trade in NHL 21. Didn't from Detroit's perspective. <laughs> no, that wasn't happening. Yeah. Like, my goodness. Insane. And Alvarado guy is a guy that's probably going to score 30 goals this year and be a part of the future. Yep. Just keep adding some add a piece or two this offseason. Uh, I won't, I want to take this take two. Andre Palak of Tampa Bay is a free agent as a winger. I'm calling it right now. Two-year deal. Probably, probably around five mil. That's all. Because Tampa's also in some cap situations. That's a solid guy being in the top six. I could, it's a really good team player. I think it would be a great fit. And also haunts my nightmares from the uh, – 2015 playoffs in Game 4 with Joe, but I'm over that. So, the biggest takeaway from this is that the 2022 offseason may not be just the biggest offseason for the Wings in recent memory, but it could be the biggest offseason in Detroit sports in yeah. recent memory. If Eisenman crushes this, which he probably will, if they somehow get a top five, look, if they somehow finally catch up on the you get the first pick and add Shane right, and then you add some other guys too, like, as deep as this team is, you saw how deep Tampa Bay was the past couple of years. Now, that's got to fall apart now because of cap reasons. That took eight, ten years of building through drafts and getting the right trades to work. It may not work the same success, but I trust this Irish plan. I've seen what Tampa Bay's gone through the past couple of years. Now, maybe getting swept by Columbus in the first round, maybe that doesn't happen. Yeah. Maybe at the Rainbow Business Cup, but. That's just my that's just my little rant. That's Mitch's corner for this week. So thank you all for dealing with that. So let's talk about college football though, real quick. You hit a Michigan football against Washington. Yep. I don't remember. I can't remember a prime time game like that on Saturday night where the winning team or a team in general had two hundred fifty yard rushers. I think you're hit the point about Michigan. I think Washington's also that down. Well, Washington's not good. Also, the fun fact like in that game, that's Washington's first road game in two years. Oh wow! All four, all four games they played last year, they got in. We're all at home. By the way, Washington, thanks for the quarterback. Yes, Jacob. <laughs> we like him. We'll take him here, but he's solid, man. Also, who are some teams that are catching your eye? Uh, Michigan State, like I mentioned, uh, they're going to be ranked very, very soon. They're going to play Miami this week, and if they beat them, they're going to be ranked. Um, I, I like what Mel Tucker's got going on over there. As much as it pains me to say, I had a good conversation with my older brother about Michigan State, who he goes there. And uh, he said that the buzz on campus is unlike it. Because my brother's a fifth year, and uh, he said that it's never been like this on campus in terms of anticipation and people going to the game. So uh, Michigan State, definitely. Um, Alabama's obviously Alabama. Um, Georgia's solid. I don't know what to make of Oklahoma. I think that's going to be your what you usually get on an Oklahoma team, a team that scores a lot of points and is kind of up and down. Um, but gives up a lot of points. They're just going to be a roller coaster. A um, couple of sleeper teams that I have. Uh, Oregon made a statement. I love Oregon. And also, Cincinnati, I think, is probably in the best position of any uh, group of five school to get to the playoff. Do I think they get in? No. Do I think that they have the best chance to? Yeah, and I think if they go undefeated, it's going to be awfully hard to keep them out. Absolutely. Uh, let's go through the games here for this weekend. Um, let's take your first pick. You mentioned Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Nebraska. We'll have some fun here because we're college kids. and Well, I can do this legally. You, know, you 
once Serena gets her sports book up in their own facility, you'll be able to. But Oklahoma, 22-point favorite as of right now. Who do you like just straight up? Uh, I, I'm guessing Oklahoma, but... Yeah, they cover. Let's talk about this real quick. Has Scott Frost done that for this year? Yeah. I think he's done midway through. I think if they... Um, the way this is looking is that it's going to end up being like when Michigan plays Nebraska, it could be the loser leaves town game. Absolutely. So let, let's talk about this real quick schedule with Nebraska because I find this team so fascinating right now. At Oklahoma, that's probably a loss. Also, Chalk up is a loss. At Michigan State's next. That's a loss. Home against Northwestern. They, they can win that one. That's going to be tight, though. Yeah. And then home against Michigan. Loss. At Minnesota. They'll lose that. Yeah, by then he has to have the axe. Okay, uh, breaking news here. I'm getting via the athletic. Patrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been added to the injured reserve. Oh. Possible turn date is unsure, according to Ryan Rivera. Taylor Heineke will start in the meantime. Just quick thoughts on that. Uh, you know, it sucks to hear that about Fitzy. Um, but at the same time... Um, I mean, he's not indestructible, and for a lot of years, he's just kind of gone on the, the early season hot streak. So I think don't be surprised now um, if Mr. Newton, Mr. Cam Newton, winds up in Washington, getting back, Ron Rivera. They went to a Super Bowl together. I mean, is it out of the realm of possibility? Nope. Uh, I, I mean, I will say this, though. People get, get, get used to hearing the name Taylor Heineke. I've been saying this since Feb, since January. Put some respect on the man's name. His story's incredible. Look it up. Anyway, get back to Nebraska here. So we agree right now they're sitting at 2-1 and because they beat Buffalo 23 and 4-52-7. to seven. Lost to Illinois 30-22. Oklahoma's a loss. That's the point of 2-2. Two two. Michigan State's lost 2-3. and three. Northwestern is a toss-up. I say they lose that. You say they win that. So I got them at 2-4, and four, you and 3-3. Three and three. Yep. We both agree home against Michigan is a loss. I'm at 2-5, and five, you and 3-4. and four. At Minnesota is a loss, 2-6. and six. What At what game do you read this Nebraska big cut of midseason? What game is that? Because after that, you're home against Purdue, home against Ohio State, at Wisconsin, home against Iowa. I mean, I think it'll either be Michigan or Minnesota, one of those two. You see, for me, I feel it's Northwestern. Because that's a night if game, If they too. lose that, probably. If they, if they lose against Oklahoma, lose against Michigan State, lose against Northwestern at home, prime time, I'll put them at, just make sure I'm doing my math right here, folks, I'll put them at 2-4. and four. And then you got to play Michigan at Minnesota. Like After that, there's, there's one winnable game, in my opinion, yeah. with Purdue. And even then, that's not a guarantee. Right. Scott Frost is probably... Oh, it's, it's making steam. Yeah. It's brutal. But let's talk the rest of these games here. These big ones here. Indiana's hosting Cincinnati. Cincinnati wins that. It is also a three-and-a-half point advantage for Cincinnati on the road. I think they cover it. I'm just not super stoked about Indiana. Because I love Michael Penix Jr. so much, it wouldn't shock me if Indiana won that game. I do think Cincinnati's that good, though. Uh, another one, uh, Miami and Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State and Miami. Yeah. Miami's six-and-a-half-point favorites. I think Michigan State covers for certain. I think they win it outright, to be honest with you. It's just it's one of those things where, I mean, Miami didn't look great last week. Uh, they didn't look – I mean, at, you, you can't really take 
too much away from that because Appalachian State's a perennially good group of five team and Alabama's Alabama. Uh, so you're going to find out just how good Miami is. Uh, but, man, Michigan State, their offense is legit. Um, and I think they win the game. I think State covers, but it wouldn't shock me if Miami squeaked it out late. This is going to be the biggest road test in a long, probably under the Mel Tucker era, yes, honestly. Yes, absolutely. It's, if, if Hard Rock Cafe Stadium is, uh, you know, it still out crowd, but yeah. it probably will be at that, that point. Um, that's not going to be an easy environment for a team that's, you know, beat Northwestern the real, but then we'll have Youngstown State. Well, they're pretty I, young, too. They I mean. are, and then Sal's the best quarterback they've been See at this point too. Yeah, Derek King. Yeah, so I'll take Miami. I'll take if it's money lines, Miami. If it's points, I take Michigan State. Uh, one game I think is intriguing, especially after the way the past two weeks have gone. Uh, it could be execution day for this team. Notre Dame's a seven point favorite against Purdue. Could be execution day. You never know. It could be execution day. <laughs> I think Notre Dame wins this, uh, but if they have another close game, I think Brian Kelly. Oh, I don't even want to go there. I just don't like Brian Kelly. I think Purdue makes it really interesting. But I think Notre Dame does win. I don't know if it's by seven. I think Purdue may be a little better than we give them credit for. But again, at home, you know, I think the way they play the past couple weeks, not really sold on uh, Cohen, a quarterback, really. No. Uh, Alabama at Florida, my roommate and former sports sitter and former host of the show, Austin Chastain, has some very choice words for this game, which I am not going to repeat <laughs> on a podcast. Um, Alabama, Alabama by 15 and a half. Alabama. I think that Florida's going to leave Emory Jones in for too long. I just think that that ship has sailed, and, and the fact that they try to keep – they try keep or try to keep getting on it. It just it's time to turn the table. I mean, their backup came in and had a really nice game uh, last week. So would it surprise me if Florida was in one possession or led at halftime? No, because I think this is gonna be the biggest road test of Bryce Young's early career. Yes. However, I've learned over time that you don't bet against Bama. You yeah. don't do it. Nick Saban knows. So I'll take Bama. Um, last big matchup here. We'll talk about. Actually, we'll talk about two more games. But one of one, actually, okay, we'll talk about this one in the main event, I feel, for the week. Um, Arizona State at BYU. Arizona State by three and a half, even though they're on the road. Who do you like, Sun Devils or the Cougars? Arizona State. I like Jaden Daniels a lot. And uh, they're quarterback, and I think that he usually makes enough big plays to win games like this, and uh, I fully expect him to. Yeah, this is a coin flip for me. Obviously, home dog, I would take BYU. Um, that's just me personally, though. I don't know much about either team, but give me BYU. I think it's hard to bet against the Mormons. Yeah. Uh, then finally, the main event of the evening, the game. Number 22, Auburn at number 10, Penn State. Penn State favored by six. 7.30 kickoff, ABC. It's going to be a wideout by the sounds of it. Christian, who do you pick in here? Oh, it's going to be sweet to watch that. Um, but I think personally, whew, you know what, though? This screams to me. Like Penn State, I've, I've kind of been up and down with them. This just screams like Bo Nix on the road. 
wins it, boosts his draft stock. And yet, I'm not buying that. I think Penn State wins this game. At home, really tough place to play. I mean, Clifford's experience, the quarterback, I just I think the Nittany Lions win it. Yeah, I think trying to walk into Happy Valley on a Saturday night in a while like that, it may be the most hard the most difficult thing to do in college football besides try to beat Bama. Yep. Uh I think Penn State's defense is so unappreciated right now. Especially when they did it at Wisconsin, forced those three huge turnovers. Give me Penn State. Give me it by a touchdown. I am just not totally sold on Bonex entirely. Yeah. And I'm just not totally sold on Auburn either. I mean, are they were they being a top twenty five in the year? Potentially. But I think Penn State right now Especially after the year they had last year. I think they have just the biggest chip on their shoulder. Yeah, for sure. And I and I know some people are not big fans of him. I love James Franklin. I yeah. think he's a great recruiter. I think he's gets a job done at home. Give me Penn State here. So normally this is the part of the time where I get with a big voice and say, Can't Christian hang? But unfortunately, uh the past week has been just um we'll call it a long one. So uh, I totally blank. So I'll spare you this week on Grand Canyon Christian Hank. Does that mean I get the perfect three for three or what? No. <laughs> it will call it push. How about that? Yeah, push. So we're going to wrap things up here real quick. The question of the week. Sperry Bond's a Hall of Famer. Yes. Defend. Um, I, I have a lot of journalists and reporters who I hold in very high esteem, none higher than Dave Burkett, who covers the Detroit Lions. And, you know, this is a baseball question. I, mean, I think, because he was the one who did the presentation for Calvin Johnson. He was the one that presented Calvin Johnson to the Hall of Fame voters. And and he mentioned, he talked about something, I, I can't remember if it was a podcast or if it was an interview with somebody. He said to him, the defining part of whether or not somebody should be a Hall of Famer if they belong in a Hall of Fame is can you write the history of this sport without this player? And Barry Bonds, the answer to that is absolutely not. I mean, he's the all-time home run leader. I mean, you can you can say that he did steroids and he did and this and that. and But at the end of the day, Barry Bonds is absolutely a Hall of Famer. Because, um, you know, it just... He... Like, and the other part about it is, and I know I'm kind of stuttering a little bit, but I'm gathering my words, it's he, he, he defines that era of baseball, that era of baseball of, of, you know, steroids and the long ball and the home run chase of Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, and he wasn't in that, but I'm just saying, like, you can't write the history of baseball without Barry Bonds. Is he kind of a, you know, is he kind of a black sheep in terms of, he did the sport wrong, absolutely. But at the end of the day, um, the Hall of Fame is—it's supposed to tell the history of baseball, and you can't—you can't do that without Barry Bonds. I think he belongs in Cooperstown, absolutely. I totally agree with the points you make. I think, me personally, if you take away like everything he did from like nineteen ninety-eight, how much, which all the research I've done on multiple papers is like, to my knowledge, when the steroid issue started to really like become an issue for that generation. Yeah. I think his stats are good enough where you could put him in. Especially what we did with Pittsburgh beforehand in his early mm-hmm. San Fran days. Like, he was a, 
30-30 game at Pittsburgh. People forget that. Yeah, he was a good player. He was. So, I mean, I give the case of why not, too. I understand it. But I think we took his take his resume before all the stereo allegations and everything was proven. I think his numbers are still good enough for you can't deny him entry. Well, yeah, and then you want to get into that. Let's talk about, just for a second, Pete Rose. I mean, the gambling thing, yeah, it's bad. But, you, I mean, everybody talks about Pete Rose. Charlie Hustle. That's my dad's favorite player, man. I just, I just, I understand why we ban people and we, and we put them away and things like that. But at the end of the day, this is about baseball. And I understand that there are repercussions for decisions that you make. But at the end of the day, I just don't think it's right to keep them out. I agree with you. So, Christian, any last thoughts before we uh, sign off the season premiere? Oh, not really. It was good to be back. It was good to be back. This was fun. Absolutely. Same thing. Uh, so, yeah. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Season 5 of Sports and My Conduct. We'll be back at you on Thursdays again, just like we were last. So we were back in the winter and the spring. So glad to be back to of Sports here, Christian. It's been way too long. Yes, sir. So, for Mr. Christian Boer, I'm Mitch Vosper. Keep your stick on the ice.